Hey, it's Susan. Before we get into this episode, I want to tell you about something I've been working on to help you make more confident decisions about the future of your business. I know that might kind of seem like a pipe dream right now, but it is possible to feel more confident about the choices you're making in your business when you know, really know what's going on with your money. So I want to help you get on top of your business finances. I'd love for you to join me for a program called Be Your Own CFO. You'll work with me and a small group of business owners over the next five months to help you make better decisions about the way your business earns, spends, and invests money. Together, we'll dig into the data, examine the reports, rethink your money stories, build a budget, and create an action plan. By the end of the program, you'll have a new relationship with the money that flows through your business, and you'll feel wildly capable when it comes to making decisions about it. To learn more about working with me in the Be Your Own CFO program, go to scalespark.co slash CFO. That's scalespark.co slash CFO. But here's the thing. Having a to-do list that's three miles too long that you're not finishing, it leaves us with this feeling of not being good enough. You know, and instead of worrying about, did I do 50 things today? It's really, did I do a few things that really were bigger, that were more important? Hustle culture tells us that in order to gain ground, we have to be grinding it out. That working all hours of the day, seven days a week, will bring us success. But... That just doesn't work for real people. There's a ton of research out there that says that resting actually increases your productivity, your effectiveness, your problem-solving skills, and your creativity. We need rest to do our best work and to be able to bring our best selves to our businesses. But when there's so much going on and the to-do list is so long, how do you create the space for rest for your family and friends? and for your best work? Well, you prioritize the things that matter and get rid of all the rest of the crap that doesn't. But how do you figure out what to prioritize when everything seems important? I'm Susan Bowles, and you're listening to Break the Ceiling, the show where we break down unconventional strategies you can use to save time, boost your profit, and increase your operational capacity. All this month, we're talking about how founders get in their own way and the practical and systematic tools they can use to stop doing that. Last week, I talked to Michelle Warner about how having a solid process can be a competitive advantage, both in sales and in your operational efficiency. And if you're someone who tends to get in their own way because you resist systems, that's a great episode to go catch up on. Today, we're talking about prioritizing what's important. So if you're someone who tends to catch shiny thing syndrome on the regular, or you have a to-do list a mile long that you never seem to make progress on, this episode is for you. There's no shortage of quote-unquote helpful information out there about personal and business productivity. My friend Brittany Berger likes to call this productivity porn. We're talking about those blog posts about some millionaire's morning routine that changed their life and will, of course, change yours or the latest hack or new software tool that will magically solve all of your problems with getting things done. But those so rarely work, and most of the time they make your struggle to accomplish your to-do list worse. Because now you're worried about trying to implement some new system instead of focusing on the work that matters to you and moves the needle forward in your business. 
My guest today says the key to tackling this overwhelm and never-ending to-do list is to get crystal clear on your priorities and then use that as a filter for everything else. Tanya Dalton is a nationally recognized productivity expert and the best-selling author of The Joy of Missing Out. She serves as a growth strategist for female leaders in the corporate and entrepreneurial sectors, and she hosts the Productivity Paradox podcast. Tanya is also the founder and CEO of Inkwell Press Productivity Company, which is a multi-million dollar company that provides tools that work as a catalyst in helping women do less while achieving maximum success. And today we talk about how you prioritize when everything is important, how both your team and your business suffer when you get in your own way by not communicating a clear direction, and how getting clear on your priorities will create momentum in your business and space in your life. Hi, Tanya. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me. So there was a quote from your book that really stuck with me. And you said, overwhelm isn't having too much to do. It's not knowing where to start. And I think that probably rings true for so many of us. The to-do list is kind of endless. So maybe we procrastinate or ignore it or postpone. How have you seen this kind of concept play out either in your own business or with the folks you work with? Yeah, I think the word overwhelm is the word I hear about 99% of the time when you're saying like, how's your business going? Oh, I'm so overwhelmed. You know, how's your how's your home life? Oh, I'm so overwhelmed. You know, how are you doing with all the things you're getting done? I'm overwhelmed. You know, we're overwhelmed by so many things because we're kind of turning in circles. And I share a story in the book about how I literally had a day where I was standing in my kitchen, turning in circles, not sure where to start. And this whole feeling of overwhelm just tends to push us down. It makes us feel really negative. It makes us feel bad about what we're accomplishing. And it just, you know, it just creates this feeling of of urgency that we're just scrabbling through our days, you know, scraping by, doing our best, but wearing ourselves out. And I found that because uh, so many people were using that word overwhelmed, I really wanted to dig into it. And I did find that it doesn't have anything to do with the amount of items on your to-do list or how many things you're doing or how many how many businesses you run. Because I run into people all the time who run multiple businesses. It really is this whole idea of I have so many things swirling around in my head. I have no idea where to start. And I think if you think about it, when you know when you have a day where you're like, okay, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do that, then I'm going to move forward, and I'm going to do this, we have this feeling of just a little bit of calm, right? Where it's like, okay, I know what's Mm going to happen and therefore I feel more confident. And after I finish this, then I'm going to tackle the next thing. And I think when we get rid of that feeling of overwhelm, we get this sense of being centered and a little bit of clarity for where we want to go. And I think that's one of the biggest things, you know, when you are running a business is, you know, having that clarity and that vision of where you and your team all together want to go. And so really by choosing where you want to start and what you want to work on next, that creates a sense of calm and a good foundation for everybody on your team, not just for you, but everybody else. Because as the leader, you're pushing everybody in that same forward direction. And it's really hard for the people on your team to follow if you are turning in circles, (laughs) right? So that's really where it's <laughs> so this temp- right? I mean, this is the thing is we need to know where we want to go so we can lead the rest of the people on our team that way too. So really understanding where you want to begin gives you that sense of power, that sense of control, and that sense of confidence that we really need to be able to lead. Mm. So how have you seen, 
I guess when you see this happening in a business and the founder is overwhelmed and spinning in circles and the team doesn't really know <laughs> what direction to go or yes. the founder's kind of always just switching directions, um, you know, what have what do you see the impact of that being on the business itself? Well, I really feel like when we when we run our businesses with intention, when it's truly aligned with where we're wanting to go, it makes the hugest difference because it allows us to really say no to the things that don't fit that ideal vision of where we want to go. In the book, In the Joy of Missing Out, we talk about this concept of the North Star, which is your mission, your vision, and your core values. And really, that becomes the guiding light to show you you know, what is it I want to do? So our mission statement tells us not just what we do, but why we do it. So it's telling us what we're doing right now and why we're doing it. And then our vision tells us where we want to go. And our core values answer that question of how do I want to get there? And when we have all three of those working in tandem, working really well together, it creates this you know, this guiding light for us to know what path we want to follow. And when we have that path, when we're leading with intention, it really does allow us to let go of some of the other things that don't truly fulfill that vision of where it is we want to go. I think one of the biggest mistakes I see business owners doing is that they are afraid that opportunity is only going to knock once. And so every time that opportunity comes knocking, we like open the door, open the door, open the door. Even if it's like, oh my gosh, this is like the wrong opportunity. You're like, come on in, <laughs> you know, settle on my couch and take up all my time. I, th I think so often we forget that opportunities come with a cost. You know, it may not be monetary, but it might be time or energy or focus. And that takes away from your time, energy, and focus in other areas of your business that really are tied to that North Star of where we're wanting to go. And so when we have our North Star that we can use as our filter, it really empowers us to say, you know what, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to get there. And this is what we're going to do together to really make that happen. And truly, I do think that one of the big things as a leader is that communication. You know, nobody else, none of your troops know where to go if the general's not telling them. Okay, we're all heading this way. <laughs> we're all going to take a left together. You have to communicate that. And having a North Star allows everyone on your team to know where it is you're wanting to go, why you're on this journey, and how you're going to get there all together. And that's really why I start the entire, you know, productivity system of the Livewell Method with discovery. Because truly, we want to customize everything to work for you. I think so often, you know, we look at what everybody else is doing. We look at other business owners and we're like, well, they have a podcast, so I got to have a podcast. Okay, well, they have a really good Pinterest following, so I, I need to do the Pinterest strategy. And then, oh my gosh, they're, you know, they're doing this over here, so I've got to do that. And I've got to have a blog and I've got to have, right? And we're, we're wearing mm -hmm. ourselves out. When, in effect, we need to say, okay, what's going to work for me and my company? Maybe a podcast is what's going to work. Maybe it's not. And that's okay. Just because there's a lot of people on the podcasting bandwagon doesn't mean that you have to be on there too. For you, you know, Susan, this, this works for you. And for me as well, I have a podcast as well. That's a great vehicle for me. But, you know, some of the other things out there may not be as good of a fit. And so instead of saying, yes, I need to do this. And yes, I need to do that because this person's doing it and that person's doing it. Let's really discover who you are. Let's discover your North Star. Let's figure out what your priorities are, and then let's create everything 
around that. Let's customize it to play to your strength, play to your weaknesses as well. Let's not pretend like we don't have weaknesses because we do. <laughs> and let's let's really customize <laughs> it. So let's create that path for you. Let's blaze that trail together. And that's truly at the heart of what I try to teach people to do, that it's not about looking at what everybody else is doing and trying to fit that mold. It's let's make the system mold to you, mold to your life, mold to the business that you want to create. And really, let's let's allow that to be what helps us feel more successful. Because when we do play to our strengths and we do play to our weaknesses as well, that's really when we start to see success and we feel really good about our days. Mm, I like that. So this is sort of related. And once you found your your North Star, um, and I'm sure that kind of plays into this, but how do you prioritize when kind of everything seems important? Right. How do you choose what to focus on, what to let go of, um, when it comes down to like that tactical level of deciding how you're going to invest your day? Yeah, I love that question because it's really hard to prioritize when everything is a priority. <laughs> if everything is all equal, it is. that's why we're spinning in circles. That's why we don't know where to start because maybe we're putting even things like laundry at the same level as the marketing plan that we've got to do, right? Or the finances, you know, conversation we need to have with our advisor or with our bank is at the same level as, you know, doing our Pinterest strategy. We need to really prioritize and figure out what is truly most important. And I think, to be honest with you, that's one of the the things that is is, um, really key because we want to focus in on those big tasks. I think so often we get so caught up in the numbers. How many things did I get done today, right? We take a lot of pride in that Mm -hmm. to-do list that it's really, 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 really long. (laughs) And that somehow (laughs) is some kind of indication that we are really important and that we are doing big things. But here's the thing. Having a to-do list that's three miles too long that you're not finishing, and really a LinkedIn study showed that 89% of people are not completing the items on their to-do list every day, um, you know, it leaves us with this feeling of not being good enough. You know, and instead of worrying about, did I do 50 things today? It's really, did I do a few things that really were bigger, that were more important? It's this idea of, you know, if you're standing in a spot and you take 50 steps in 50 different directions, yeah, it was 50 steps, but where are you going to end up? Maybe in the same spot, maybe maybe even further behind than where you were at the beginning, right? (laughs) But if instead you choose to take five steps, only five instead of 50, but there are five intentional steps working on things that are truly important, moving in that same forward motion, five steps forward in one motion, that's so much more powerful, right? Because where are you going to end up? Five steps ahead, not further behind, not in the same spot. So it's not about the numbers. It really is prioritizing and figuring out what is it I want to accomplish? What is it that's going to feel good? Because I think that so often we run around busy. We're checking a thousand things off our list and then we're slipping into bed at night. And you know what we're thinking to ourselves? Oh, why didn't I get more done? Oh, man, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. It's very unsatisfying. It's, I mean, it makes us feel really unsuccessful. If instead we choose to do fewer things, but things that are truly important, that's when we slip into bed, when our head hits the pillow and we think to ourselves, nice work today. Good job. Today was amazing. I mean, think about it. How often are you finishing your days thinking that you're pretty amazing? I can tell you right now, it's not nearly enough, right? So we need to really <laughs> yeah. clarify what, what are the things that are important to you. So 
I have a system that I walk through in the book called the clear framework, where you ask yourself a series of questions to really figure out where do things rank with your priorities. And so the questions are really, you know, is it connected to your North Star? So is this connected to your mission, your vision, your core values? Is it linked to a goal? So usually our goals are little mini milestones getting us towards that North Star. So it should be connected to your North Star, linked to a goal. Is it essential? That's the third question we can ask. Is this something that really has to be done by me? That's a really big question for founders because I think that a lot of times, Mm -hmm. you know, with our businesses, they're like our babies. They're our child, right? They're our loudest, brattiest, most obnoxious child out of all the children we own. And they suck up the most time. But, you know, because they're our child, we feel like, gosh, no one else can do it as well as I can. Or, you know what, Uh, I, I really feel like this is something I should be checking on, even though maybe we have team members who are just as capable or could maybe even do actually a better job because that's really a key part of their job. So is this essential? Is this something that needs to be done by me? The fourth question is, is this advantageous? Is this something that if I work on today, it's going to benefit me a week down the road, a month down the road, a year down the road? Is this an investment? Or is this just something that I'm checking off my list because I feel like it's important in the moment and it's not really going to help me long term? And then the fifth question is, is it reality based? Am I just over perfecting something because I'm, you know, leaning into my perfectionism tendencies? Is this tied to a story that I tell myself about what a good boss does or what a good leader does? Um, And so when we ask those five questions connected to your North Star, linked to a goal, essential, is it advantageous, and is it reality-based? If we ask those five questions, and if you hold your finger up each time you say yes, if you have three or more fingers up, chances are it's probably something that really is important. If you have less fingers up, it's not really important. It maybe needs to be delegated to somebody else, or maybe it needs to be just completely cleared off your plate altogether. And I think when we start to ask ourselves these questions, that's when we really start to have more clarity because I think so often we do things because we think we should. We should on ourselves all the time. <laughs> all over the place. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I should be – look at this person over here. They're doing this, so I should be doing it too. So we're just doing it because we think we're supposed to do it. But if we really start to ask ourselves these five questions, we can start to really realize, wow, this is not something I need to be doing at all. <laughs> and that's really when mm-hmm. we can start clearing some of that stuff out of our way and creating that path for ourselves that leads us to that North Star. No, I I love that. One of the most powerful tricks I have up my sleep helping like people with operational stuff is do we have to do this? Yes. Um, which I think completely ties back to your questions of like, is this something that is useful that we should build into a workflow? Or is this something we can just simplify and not do entirely? Yeah, <laughs> I, think, it out. I think so often we're doing things and we don't even realize when we stop and ask ourselves why we're doing it. It's like, I, I don't know. I think we're just doing it because we're supposed to. Right. I mean, like, or because mm-hmm. I or I started doing this and I thought this is what we needed to do, but it's not really still working out. That's sunk cost. Right. Like I poured some time and energy into it or I poured some money into it. It wasn't really working out, but I'm just going to keep doing it because I already sunk some time and some money into it already. So I'm just going to keep seeing it through, even though it's not really paying off. You know, I think, you know, with the with the whole COVID crisis that's been happening, I think it really is a time where we get a little more clarity you know, with what is important. I think when, you know, everything was kind of kind of crazy and sheltering at home and we're working and kids are homeschooling and all those other things, we found that there were some things that were like, you know what, I don't have time for that. That's not really important. So let's go back to that mindset. 
when, you know, it's really easy to see what to throw overboard when our ship is sinking. And that's been the thing is the ship has been, you know, in the first, you know, couple of the first half of 2020 has been there's a lot of sinking, it feels like, you know, so we're throwing things overboard. I don't have time to do this. I got to worry about homeschooling my kids. I don't have time to do that because I've got to take meetings over Zoom and I can't, you know. And so that clarity is really important to get back a little bit to that mindset instead of feeling like let's keep piling more things in the boat. Let's figure out what we can throw overboard. Yeah, I like that. I used to... um at, at the beginning, when I was starting ScaleSpark, I was still working a full-time job, and I really only had like two or three hours a day first thing in the morning to commit to it. it. And I was in masterminds where people were always like, how are you moving your business so far so fast? Um, and it was because of that kind of phenomenon that you're talking about. I literally only had two hours a day. So whatever I did with that two hours had to be really, really the most important thing, the thing that was going to absolutely move the needle forward. And it was really um, distraction free time because I was doing it at four o'clock in the morning. There were yeah. no emails coming in. There was there were no meetings to have. And it created this kind of it, it created this environment where you absolutely had to throw stuff overboard. Yeah. You know? you know, there were a lot of things that I specifically chose not to do at the beginning because it would have created more work that wasn't really going to drive anything forward. And I think that um, ended up being really, really powerful in a way that sometimes without having those external limitations, we don't really see. And I think you're right. I think the this current situation that a lot of us are in is forcing us to have that kind of mentality of, I can only do the bare minimum. What does that What is like? the bare minimum? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. so much. And here's the thing is when we operate under constraints, which is what we're operating under when we when we limit ourselves, when we, when we operate under constraints, we are actually more creative and we're really able to laser focus in because we have less time and therefore we use that time more effectively. This ties in. We talk about Parkinson's law in the book, which is time will expand or projects will expand for the time allowed for them. So if you give yourself two weeks to work on a project You'll take the full two weeks. Now, you're going to fill it with things like stress, procrastination, right? Or maybe overworking <laughs> it, you know, tweaking it one more time. But if you take that same project and it's like, you know, I really only have, you know, two days to do it. You're going to do an excellent job and you're going to get it done in those two days. You're going to laser focus in. You're going to figure out what's most important and you're actually going to get it done in less time because you have that constraint built in. When we give ourselves too much time, it's really easy to allow it just to kind of you know, bleed into all these different areas and, and, mm -hmm. and start to take up more of the time. So I love that, that you started your business with those two hours. I mean, that's how I wrote my book. I wrote my book mm -hmm. getting up at like 4.30 in the morning and, and writing before I got my kids up for school and before I started the day with the whole morning routine and everything else. It really was like this very focused time. And a lot of people are like, you know, I've met people who are retired who say, oh, yeah, you know, I've been wanting to write a book, but I just don't have the time. And I'm like, good Lord, you're retired. How do you not have the time? <laughs> I'm running a business. I've got two kids. I was able to write a book and I was able to write a book that I'm really proud of because I created that time. That space is not going to happen just, you know, like the parts cloud, cloud, the clouds part and then, you know, a shaft of rainbow comes down. Oh and all of a sudden you have the time, it's that you create the time. And sometimes it is these little pockets that are incredibly powerful, that are incredibly mighty.
Yeah. So you mentioned in your book the difference between efficiency and effectiveness. And I think that is kind of what we're talking about here. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. I, you know, I think so often especially when it comes to things like operations, we're really targeting efficiency. We want to be an efficient business. We want to run efficiently. We want to make sure everybody's working efficiently. And being efficient is good, but being efficient really only targets one of our resources, which is time. It's really only focused in on how much time is this taking us, right? Or how many resources is it taking us? It's not really focusing in on the quality of the work. What we don't want is we don't want to be doing our work so quickly and so efficiently that we're really turning out crap work. We want to turn out work that is amazing. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, am I the only business owner who's like, I want to turn out things that I'm really proud of? I don't think so. That's why I we, don't think so. Right? I think that's why we got into business. We wanted to solve people's problems. We wanted to create an impact. And we wanted to do it in ways that were very, very like meaningful to other people. And that means quality work. And so really, if we stop worrying about being efficient... And instead, we shift over and focus in instead on being effective, which is being smart with your resources, you, you know, using your time, your energy, and your focus really in smart ways and using your money in smart ways, but doing it to the highest quality we can. And sometimes that means we have to take a little more time for that high quality, but we would much rather be turning out great work, amazing work, than work that we're like, eh, that was okay, but I got it done on time, right? <laughs> I mean, this is the thing is it's not about getting it done on time. It's about getting it done to the best of your ability and getting it done on time, getting both of those done. So really, I love I love it when people come to me and they're like, I stopped using the word efficient because I'm like, yes, let's use that word effective. We want to be effective leaders. We want to have effective team members. We want to have people who are working with us, who are working towards that North Star, turning out work that we are proud of as a team that is meaningful, but is still taking advantage of using our resources really, really well. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. I think there is a time and a place to be efficient and it's on low value stuff. Yes, <laughs> like absolutely. Stuff that you can automate with a computer or really just clear off your plate so that you can have the space to do effective work as a human being, I think. So you're right. Um, I mean, it ties all into that word quality, right? Again, yeah. it's not the number, it's not the quantity, it's the quality. It's the five good steps instead of the 50 kind of blah, efficient steps. <laughs> yeah, so it's exactly mm -hmm. right. It's, it's doing the things that are truly most important. Mm. Money. You earn it, you spend it, maybe you even save it or invest it. But how do you feel about the decisions you make with your money? Plenty of business owners, even the successful ones, feel like they're shooting in the dark when it comes to how they spend, save, and invest their money. Like you, they wonder if the ads they're buying, the software they're investing in, or the people they're paying are really paying off. And that's stressful. Feeling uneasy about how you're spending or investing your money isn't fun. And I want something different for you. I want you to feel wildly capable with your money. I want you to feel confident that every decision you make is guided by your financial intel. I want you to feel the peace of knowing that every dollar you spend for your business is going towards building a business that runs better and makes more money. This is what I do for business owners when I step in as their chief financial advisor on demand. 
I help them parse the numbers, look for opportunities, and trim the fat. We get clear on where they're getting in their own way and where the math just doesn't add up. But I firmly believe that playing the role of CFO is something that every small business owner can do for themselves. And I'd love to help you become your own CFO. I'd love to work with you along with a small group of business owners over the next five months to help you make better decisions about the way your business earns, spends, and invests money. Together, we'll dig into the data, examine the reports, rethink your money stories, build a budget, and create an action plan. By the end of the program, you'll have a new relationship with the money that flows through your business, and you'll feel wildly capable when it comes to making decisions about it. To learn more about working with me in the Be Your Own CFO program, go to scalespark.co slash CFO. That's scalespark.co slash CFO. So tell me about some of the kind of tools or practical strategies that you use to help folks make sure that they're kind of keeping their priorities in mind, structuring their day around those priorities, um, making sure that the wrong stuff isn't on their boat. What, <laughs> That's right. What are kind of some some practical applications that you use? Yeah, absolutely. And this is what this is what I love about the the methodology that I've created where you start with discovery because really, truly, it is about you. Then the next step is clarity. Let's figure out what is important. And then we get into simplicity, which is how do we create systems? How do we make it so that all this stuff runs really smoothly and easily, effectively, if you will, <laughs> so that you know we are focusing on more important work? And then that last step is, of course, harmony. But let's kind of go back there to these ideas of clarity and simplicity because I think it really is important that we are spending our time in ways that are meaningful and creating some structure to our days and our weeks so that we have the ability to really, truly be effective. And I like to tell people that, you know, a lot of times people hear that word structure and it feels like, oh, gosh, you know, it feels like a rock in your shoe. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I really like to be free thinking and I'm really creative. Here's the thing. I think if your structure is so rigid that it's you know going to shatter at the drop of a hat, that's way too rigid. We want to build in some systems. We want to create some structure that has flexibility into it, and we want to have some grace because you know what? Life needs flexibility. Life needs grace. So let's build that into our systems. So one of the first things that I like to tell people to do, if you really want to focus in on your priorities, and I'm not sure who's going to say, I don't really want to focus in on my priorities. (laughs) If you want to focus in on your priorities, throw out your to-do list. And I know, I know, I can guarantee there's a solid handful of your listeners who are like, oh, what? But I love my to-do list. And I get it. I love my to-do list. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I get it. I mean, I love listing things out too. But here's the thing. Let's stop doing the to-do list. You know, earlier in the show, I talked about the fact that, you know, LinkedIn found that 89% of professionals are not accomplishing the items on their list. So that means that there's 89% of people who are going to bed going, oh, there's so many things on my to-do list still waiting to happen. And we have that nagging sense of not doing enough. So instead of doing a to-do list... Let's create a priority list. So here's the nice thing. Mm. For those of you who love the to-do list, this is like, oh, it's a to-do list with intention. So it's still a to-do list, but we're calling it a priority list because we're going to prioritize what we want to work on. We talked about that definition for the word overwhelm. Overwhelm isn't having too much to do. It's not knowing where to start. A to-do list sends you in five million different directions. A priority list tells you where to start 
and what to work on next. So you want to get rid of overwhelm? Create a priority list. And it's really, really easy to do. It takes no more time than creating a to-do list. It's just literally, like I said, a to-do list with intention. So your priority list is divided into three different sections. So we'll start at the top and we'll work our way down. So the very top of your priority list is a category called um, escalate. So these are tasks that are important. And remember, important are things that are connected to our North Star, linked to our goals. They're essential. They're advantageous. They're reality-based. So they're important, but they're also urgent. Now, urgent simply means it has a deadline. It's screaming out at you. It's pinging at you. It wants to be accomplished. (laughs) This is the thing is so often we think urgent means it's important. And not everything that's urgent is important. But that top level are things that are important and they're urgent. So you have a presentation due for, you know, a client tomorrow. That would be an escalate task. That's something that is important, but it's also urgent. It needs to be done tomorrow. Um, Your car breaks down. That is important and that, you know, you need to be able to get to work. You need to be able to drive the kids to school. But it's also urgent. has to be taken care of right away, right? So that's our top task. And that's where we're going to start our day with things in the escalate category. And then we work our way down to the next category, which is cultivate. Now, cultivate tasks are the tasks that are important, so connected to that North Star, linked to a goal, essential, advantageous, but they're not urgent, So they don't have this looming deadline telling us you have to absolutely get it done. Now, here's the thing. These are the tasks that generally get pushed aside. They don't get done because they're not urgent. So they're not screaming out at you. Mm -hmm. But when you spend time in this section called Cultivate, this, and it's intentionally named Cultivate because what you cultivate today bears fruit for the future. This is all about investment in yourself. This is all about investment for what you're going to see in the future. So it might be sitting down and making a marketing plan or, you know, taking a course and really improving, you know, your offerings, sitting down and doing some competitor research to see what other things are out there and maybe how you want to shift, surveying your customers, spending time doing some of those things, things that are going to make a difference down the road, but they don't necessarily have to be done today. So we really want to spend the majority of our time actually in this investment area, this cultivate. So we start at the top with escalate, move to cultivate, and then at the bottom, we have accommodate. So these are tasks that are urgent. So they're screaming out at us. They want to get done. They're the fires, right, that have to be put out. But they're not necessarily important. They're not going to be connected to that North Star. They're not linked to a goal. They're not essential. They're things that have to be done because they're urgent, but they're not really going to drive us towards that North Star. And it's called accommodate because we can end our day there or we can just pop these into our schedule wherever they fit. We're not going to center our day around these things. So I'll be honest with you. Spending time in your email, your email inbox, that's an accommodate task. Most of what's in your email is not truly important, right? Most of what's in your email are things that are just people pushing their priorities onto you, right? <laughs> Changing deadlines, yep. doing those kinds of things. And so really, if we start at the top with that escalate category, work our way down to cultivate and then accommodate, that tells us where we're going to start and what we're going to work on next. And then we get that feeling of, ah. <sighs> No longer being overwhelmed, feeling centered, feeling confident, feeling like we're moving forward in that direction we want to go in. And that's one of my very favorite tips because I think it's so easy to implement these three categories because if you're already making a to-do list, all you have to do is stop and think, all right, which category does it fit into? And then pop it into the category that's appropriate for it. And then you're off and running. Super easy. Something that's already part of what you already are doing in your regular day, but just doing it with intention. Mm, I love that. So 
that also kind of ties into my next question. So right now, during a time when a lot of people, especially parents, are being kind of forced to do it all, (laughs) you know, all Mm -hmm. of our systems and structure and support that we kind of counted on, especially as business owners, um, are have kind of disintegrated. They, they, yes, they Which, have really quickly. <laughs> like they just kind of one day we had all of these support systems and we had childcare and schools and uh, you minor know, all things of those, like that. <laughs> yeah, all of those things that we had built into our structure, our support to make sure that we could accomplish the things that were most important to us. And now we're kind of forced to reprioritize, even if that may not be what we want to do. Right. What strategies have you kind of found useful in trying to navigate this? Yeah, I love this question because I'm a mom of um, two kids. So my kids are now 17 and 13. So they're now big kids. (laughs) They're bigger than me. Actually, I'm the smallest one in the whole family now at this point, (laughs) Uh, which makes it hard to discipline when you happen to look up at your kids. But uh, (laughs) it can still be done. Uh, So it has, I mean, it's been definitely a monkey wrench for us because, you know, we, I'm used to being able to go in. I have an office that I go to. We actually have um, basically two warehouses that are side by side. And we use the front part for my team and I to work. We use the back area as our fulfillment area. And then we have our inventory in the other warehouse that are connected. And suddenly now we're not going in. We're not seeing my team as often. I've got kids at home needing to be homeschooled and, you know, checked on and wanting to, you know, hey, can you play volleyball at like, you know, 1.30 in the afternoon? <laughs> um, yes, I'm no. very familiar with that phenomenon. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, okay. Um, so one of the things I think that really has helped me is I really have worked to empower my kids to really get it so that they also have systems. So we have systems at home. And I think so often people think about the systems and getting things running smoothly and effectively in our office spaces. But I think right now it's become even more clear that we need those at home as well. So when I talk about productivity, it's about the whole self. It's because, you know, we wear the CEO hat during the day and then we take that hat off and we put on the CEO of the home hat when we head home. (laughs) We're still (laughs) running, you know, a business, essentially. I like to tell people that your home is essentially a business. It's a nonprofit. No one's making any money money. But the product you're creating is, you know, a life with value. Um, It's creating kids who have ethics and morals and are really able to thrive in the world. And it's creating, you know, something together as a team. You know, we have teams at work, but we also have teams at home. And so for me, um, this has always been a part of what I've taught people is that we, we need to not just think about who we are as the worker bee. It's also who we are outside of that role. We have far more roles that we, we, uh, live, you know, wife, mother, neighbor, best friend, you know, community member, all of those things are really important part of us. So making sure that we have systems in place. So I've been doing that with my kids and it's been kind of ongoing and it really has paid off in great dividends now. And I'm having more people come to me saying, how are you doing these things? How do you make it so that your kids can do these things? And it doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be hard. I started doing these things. I know some people are like, well, your kids are like 17 and 13, so it's easy. I started doing these things with my kids when they were little, teeny, tiny. I mean, I started my first business um, with two kids literally playing at my feet. My desk was one foot by two feet in my kitchen. And, you know, I've grown that into a seven-figure business while kids have been playing and growing at my feet. And part of it is really making sure that everybody on the team at home knows what they have going on. So, you know, I have team meetings with my team at the office on Mondays, but I have team meetings with my home team on Sundays. 
Um, and I actually have a YouTube video where I walk through what this looks like. But we sit down together. We make sure we know, like, hey, what's going on, you know, during normal life, normal being in quotation marks. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, okay, Kate, when do you have volleyball practice? Jack, when do you have play rehearsals? Um, Kate, when do you have girls on the run? When do you have – and so we start mapping that out together. Okay, what chores need to get done? What projects are you working on? All right, what do you need to get done for your project? And so I'm bringing my kids into the conversation. I'm not telling them what they need to do. I'm having them make the decisions about what they need to get done and then when these things need to happen. And we post it in our little family HQ area. They know that's where they're going to go. They're going to check in to see what chores they need to get done. They're going to check in and know that volleyball, okay, volleyball's today at 4 o'clock, which means my job is not to be yelling at my kids going, it's 345, get your volleyball gear. I mean, she knows <laughs> if, it, if she's got volleyball, she has to be ready to go at 345. So really empowering them. And I think that that has paid off really well right now while we're all kind of working from home, schooling from home, doing everything (laughs) from home, Um, really that they are autonomous and they're able to do their own tasks. And I set up my kids to do this even when they were were really little. I mean, I had, you know, I would take work phone calls when my kids were three years old and they knew, they recognized my work ringtone because we practiced it, that they knew when that happened that they were not to come over and start talking to me or interrupt me. They knew exactly what they needed to get done when that ringtone happened. So I would teach them, I, we would do the ringtone, they would run over, they would have like a little chart on the wall with pictures of what, you know, they needed to get done. You know, one was watching TV, one was, you know, reading a book, one was playing on the playground, one was, you know, they would go over and they'd run over and they'd point to it, I'd nod my head yes, and I'd be on my phone call. I, I think this is the thing is we feel like our home lives, our, our kids, or, you know, those kinds of things are, are running the show, when if they can train a monkey to you know, ride a tricycle, we can train our kids. We can train our families to really run together as a smooth team. Take a lot of the things that you apply to your business and start applying it to your home life. You know, things that are happening automatically, these automations, we can apply those at home as well. You know, when do we need to put fertilizer in the yard? When do we need to do these types of things? Um, We can take a lot of those systems, like the priority list, and we can prioritize together as a family. So really starting to think outside of the box, outside of, well, this works for home and this works for, you know, work. If we create that strong foundation of having our home life running smoothly, it makes it so much easier to focus 100% fully, absolutely pouring ourselves into our businesses when it's time for us to focus in on business. I like to tell people, you can bring home the bacon, you could fry it up in a pan, but if the kitchen is burning down around you, it does you no good. Right? Because you can't that. really work on your, your work. You can't grow your business if at the back of your mind you're like, oh, my gosh, i got to get this done for home, and I haven't meal planned, and I haven't done these things. Let's get those things running smoothly. Let's get your team involved in all those things. So you have that strong foundation, and you really can pour yourself fully into your business. And let's talk about doing it guilt-free. Let's do it and feel good while we're doing that. That's what it's all about. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right. So my my son is younger; he's seven, and mm-hmm. the homeschooling opportunity has actually been kind of cool with empowering him. Like we give him the choice of like, here's the work you have to do this week. You get to choose if you're gonna do it all on Monday, 
if you're gonna take a lot of breaks on Monday, if you're going to, you know, like he gets to be in control of his schedule that I, in a way that I actually think is going to be really hard when he goes back to school, <laughs> when he's no longer in charge of his schedule. But yeah. um, he's really enjoyed that. And like last week, we got to learn that when you push off all, all of your work till Friday, you have a lot of work to do. Yeah, well, Friday is not so good. <laughs> Friday's not the day we're like, looking forward we to. We learned that. So today, when he went back to school, it was, I'm going to get all my stuff done. <laughs> I mean, this is a thing. These these lessons our kids learn are so valuable. They really are like allowing your kids to choose, allowing them to fail, especially when they're young and it's safe to fail. It's okay if they don't get their Mm -hmm. work done when they're seven years old. It's not okay when they're 27. (laughs) That's a a very different topic, (laughs) right? And so allowing them to fail so they can learn these lessons themselves, it's so empowering for them. You know, there's a part of our brain called the internal locus of control. And the more we choose, the more times that we say, like, I choose to do this or I choose to I choose to start with math and then I choose to work on English next. The more we're making choices, the stronger that gets and the stronger our internal locus of control gets, the more confident we feel, the more empowered we feel and the more excited we feel about our own life because we feel like we have a little more control over it. So I think it's so good and so powerful to give your kids choices Right now, one of the things my kids are doing is they're time blocking their days. You choose. Do you want to start with math? You want to start with English? You want to start with, you know, when are you going to have your snack? When do you want to have a break time? You know, and really helping guide them through that. I think it's it's incredibly powerful to give your kids choices. Yeah, I love that. So is there anything you think we should talk about that we kind of haven't touched on yet? Oh my gosh, we've touched on quite a few things. I've loved this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) I think really it's just that last bit maybe of the Livewell method, which is really about this idea of harmony. I think so often, especially as business owners, we get really caught up in this idea of balance. You know, we're told all the time that you need to find work-life balance, you need to find balance. And I like to tell people we don't want balance. Not only does it not exist, but we really don't want it. Because if all things are perfectly even, if all things are, are really balanced, we're not really choosing where we want to go. We're just going on that same path. It's kind of like riding a bike. This is the example I give in the book. You know, riding a bike, you need balance. And as long as you want to stay straight on that same path you've been on, great. Stay perfectly balanced. But if you want to choose to turn left, you have to lean to the left. You have to go out of balance. You have to lean over. Now, you can't stay leaned over too long because you'll fall over. You'll scrape your knee. So then you have to counterbalance to right yourself up. And then if you want to turn right, you're going to lean over to the right. And that's what life is really about. It's about leaning and counterbalancing, and then leaning again. So leaning into home life, maybe for a little bit, you know, getting some of those systems in place, and then counterbalancing, and then leaning into work for a time, and then staying there for a little bit, and then counterbalancing. Again, you don't want to stay, you don't want to stay leaned over too long, because you'll, you won't scrape your knee, but maybe worse, right? Like, things will start to fall apart in other areas. (laughs) We counterbalance. So it's this idea of let's go, let's let go of the idea of balance. Let's stop feeling like, you know, everything has to be perfectly even. Let's choose instead to find harmony, leaning into one area of our life and then counterbalancing and then leaning again into another. You know, with the launch of my book, The Joy of Missing Out, there was a big shift. You know, when you're launching a book and you're out there and you're doing a lot of press and you're traveling around doing all that stuff. So I knew that that time was going to be a lot of leaning into my work compartment. So before I got there, before I got to, you know, time for the book to launch, I leaned really heavily into my family. And I really gave them my best me, really giving them more of my time, energy, and focus, knowing that I was going to 
going to counterbalance and then lean into work. And then when the launch happened, I did lean into work for quite some time, knowingly, and then I counterbalanced, and then I made sure that we had some really focused family time afterwards. My husband and I went on a vacation by ourselves, fully unplugged for a week, <laughs> poured, poured myself into my marriage, poured myself as a mother. You know, I mean, and so here's the thing. It's I could feel guilty about, you know, really going full force to to get the word out about this book, but I'm I love talking about the joy of missing out. I want... I want people everywhere to have more joy of missing out in their lives. And so I knew that I really wanted to lean into it and I wanted to do it guilt free. So I leaned and then I counterbalanced and then I leaned into home. And so that's more of the harmony that we're looking for rather than balance. Uh, I think that's a perfect place to wrap things up. So where can our listeners find you if they want to connect or learn more about what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So the best place to find me is to go to tanyadalton.com. So Tanya is with an O and a Y. Uh, it's very misspelled name for some reason. <laughs> tanyadalton.com. And you can find links to my podcast there. You can find links to my programs and my courses. And you can find um, information about my products because I do sell products that tie in a lot of the strategies and systems that we talk about. I sell those as well. So um, tanyadalton.com is the best place to connect with me. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. This was so useful. Oh, good. Well, I love hearing that. <laughs> Even now, when the world is chaotic and we're all dealing with more than we would have before, it's still possible to create the space and direction we need to do our best work. When you don't have a clear idea of the direction you're going, it's easy to get in your own way by succumbing to shiny thing syndrome and chasing the next cool idea. When you don't know what to prioritize, it's easy to get in your own way by taking on too much. And too much on your plate means you get in your own way by not having enough time or resources to really commit and see results. When you don't know what's important to you, it's easy to get in your own way by focusing on the wrong work and never getting to the work that matters and that makes you feel like you accomplished something. Tanya's North Star method lets you figure out what does matter to you, both for your life and for your business. Knowing what you care about allows you to align your day and your tasks with your goals so that you can make conscious choices about what you don't want to do. And eliminating all that stuff on the to-do list that doesn't really matter frees up the space to breathe, to think, and act strategically, and to get the hell out of your own way. Tanya's method of categorizing your work into escalate cultivate and accommodate buckets can be applied to your priority list. You can even actually put this in your project management system or wherever you keep that list. Having it in the system where your ideas and tasks and goals live allows you to keep your priorities in the forefront and to make sure that the work you're spending your time on is driving you in the direction you want to go. Next week, I'm talking to Agnes Kowalski about how our beliefs feelings, and mindset around money affect our business. It's the number one way I see business owners getting in their own way. So hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player so you don't miss that episode. Break the Ceiling is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode was edited by Marty Seafeld with production assistance by Kristen Rundick. <laughs>